hello and welcome to our podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Please head to our website for more information on what is happening at Ashburton New Life or to get in touch. One of our team would love to talk to you. Here's today's message. How's it going, everyone? Nice to be... <laughs> Thanks, Anthony. Oh, it's uh, awesome to be here on a nice, rainy autumn. Autumn day, isn't it now? We're in autumn. Yeah. So I'm, I'm Jono. Um, been at this church, I think, for almost seven years now, something crazy. The time goes past really fast, eh? <laughs> it's really, really crazy. And I'm going to be speaking on, is such a time as this? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no. Yeah, so um, just before I get started, um, I just wanted to share like a few, I just, uh, when I was praying earlier, um, I felt that, that God showed me for some people, um, it's like you've been finding it hard to um, get into that secret place, like intimacy with, with God. And, and the, the picture that I saw was that there's contention over the keys to your secret place, which means that, um, like, man, I just really would love to, you know, read the Bible. I'd really love to spend time with God. It just seems hard. It seems hard to get, like, in, you know, like, so there's almost contention of actually going and spending one-on-one time with, with God. So I just wanted to quickly pray into that. Uh, Lord, we just pray uh, for each person. Uh, you know who they are. Might, might be many of us, Lord, that... Um, struggle to have intimacy with you, uh, to read your word, to come and hear your voice and be really close. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you just release those keys. Lord, make it easy for us to open that door and come into your presence uh, one-on-one with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So today I start a new series. Um, and it's the parables of Jesus Christ. What is a parable? A parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson as told by Jesus in the gospel. So when Jesus was uh, on earth, he walked around. He didn't just um, teach deep theology. He also taught by using pictures and stories and parables. And I'm going to tell a parable today. I'm going to speak on a parable. We're going to unpack it a little bit. This is the parable of the new and old wineskins, which is also the title. And I must admit, when I was younger, I used to love kind of reading the Bible. I was quite like intrigued with the Bible. Um, I remember the first time I was going to read Romans, I thought, I heard that it was amazing. And then I read it and I thought, I have no idea what this is saying. And Similarly, uh, I remember reading like the parable of the of the prodigal son, and I used to think, oh, like I can, you know, whenever I go astray, God's there for me. He's going to take me back into His arms. I could understand that, but I must admit, this parable of the new and the old wineskins, I always thought I have no idea what that's talking about. I just would read it, and I thought wine and wineskins. It's just kind of like the Christianese, isn't it? It's just 
like Christian talk. I don't know what wineskins mean. I don't know how wine and old wine, new wine, what does that mean? Um, I think there are lots of interpretations and, and things that we can glean and gather from um, this, this parable. So we'll just unpack it a little bit. So why don't we go straight into the verse this morning, um, which is from Matthew 9, verses 16 to 17. It says that no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment and a worse tear will result. And here we go, here's the, the verse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst and wine will spill and the wineskins will be ruined. Instead, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Hmm, what does that mean? <laughs> so... We're going to be unpacking this parable a little bit today. We're going to be looking at past, present, and future. So we're going to have a look at the, the cultural context, what it meant like when Jesus was walking on the earth, he was speaking to a group of people. He was speaking to um, the Pharisees. So what does it mean in the time of Jesus? We'll have a look at that. We'll have a look at how it can personally apply to us today. Um, glean some points from it. There are so many to, to look at if we really get into it, but we're just going to have some points for the sake of time. And we'll even have a, like, a look at a, pro a prophetic perspective, um, which is like the future. Um, so yeah, so let's get into the cultural context. You know that often um, when we read these things, it's a little bit hard for, un for us to understand. It was hard for me to understand uh, what this parable meant because we're unfamiliar with ancient practices. It's sometimes difficult for our modern, uh, when we read in modern times, to understand Jesus' parables. In Jesus' day, people used animal skins like goat skin. They would make a um, like a sack, like a skin for storing liquids. Fermented drinks like wine expanded. So they'd, they'd pour it in and then they'd close it up, I guess, and as it expand, like as, as, it, as it fermented, the gases and the, uh, the fermentation process would make the skins expand. And since an old wineskin that was already expanded would already be stretched to its limit, if you poured in new wines, so if you poured out the old wine and you put new wine in there, it would tear at the seams. So that's what Jesus was referring to when he was, it's like an ancient um, practice, I guess. And this is why new wine needed to be preserved in new wineskins. As the wine expanded, new skins would stretch to accommodate the, the new wine. Jesus was illustrating to his listeners the fact that you can't mix. So this is the culture. This is, he was speaking to the Pharisees now. So this is when he said this, he was speaking to the Pharisees. He, he was illustrating to his listeners the fact that you can't mix the old religious rituals with new faith in Jesus. So in the, in the context of um, 
the Pharisees, they, they uh, had righteousness, right standing by what I could do. So I just wanted to do good things all, all the time. And that's how they thought they would be righteous. And God says, you, you, you can't fit the two together. Jesus was highlighting the difference between the Pharisees' rules-based religion and the new covenant of grace and faith in Christ that he was releasing on the earth. As mentioned earlier, Jesus fulfilled the law, therefore there is no longer any need to continue with those old rituals. They would do all sorts of things. They would clean all sorts of things. They would have to wear all sorts of nice clothes and wash their hands all the time because they thought that the outside of the body made them righteous. And Jesus said, no, there's a, a new way I come to live, live in you. In the case of the Pharisees, they were consumed with their own self-righteousness and faith in Jesus cannot be combined with self-righteous rituals. So that's, that's, the, that's the cultural context um, of who Jesus was speaking to. He was speaking to the Pharisees and, and how the wineskins kind of originated. So now we're going to look at, um, this is kind of where we're going to camp for a while. This is probably going to be like the main part of of the message, the personal application of how we can apply this parable to our lives. It says in Romans 6 that uh, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. It also says that if, therefore if anyone is in Christ, new creation has come, the old has gone, it's like the old wineskins has gone, the new is here. And so today we, we're looking at new wineskins and how that applies to our life. So, so I believe that when you become a Christian, this is what God has intended. It's like we have a new wineskin for God to come and live inside, right? There are also ways of thinking. You know, it says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, aren't we? Yeah. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And what can happen in our life is that if we hold on to old mindsets of how we, where we were born, then God will want to come and he'll want to move. But it's almost like he can't pour out his power. He can't pour out his movement because we're stuck in the old mindsets. So in a way, a personal application for us this morning is that it's the way that we think is like the old wineskins. So we need new ways of thinking, new ways of faith, new ways of, of what his scripture says, what his spirit of truth says to us so that we can be new and we can flow and move in the, in the new. So the first wineskin that needs to be like renewed is the wineskin of like identity. It's really important because I believe that there's, there's gonna be like a move of God. You know, I, I, I do believe as we, as we um, head towards the, the end times that there, there will be a move of God maybe in our lifetime or not even not maybe the move of God, but I just really am sensing that all around the world now, God, there's like been a shift and we need to be able to steward 
the move of God. And if, if we have these old wineskins, for us personally here, God will want to move, but, but he won't come and move because he will know that it will burst our wineskins. And, and how do we know that? We can look all back through history. There's so many famous pastors, so many famous evangelists, so many famous men of God. And what happened is that the power of God was poured into their lives. Unfortunately, it was as if parts of their life were like the old wineskins. And we see many of them fall from grace. It's a really horrible thing to see. And, and that's what happens when the the power of God comes into something which is like perishable. It pops. So these are, are the, um, some wineskins that I felt the Holy Spirit um, identified um, to me. So the first one is identity. Identity. Who are we in Jesus Christ? Righteousness. Do you feel righteous? Do you, are you aware of your righteousness before God because of what he did on the cross? You know, let me tell you like a bit of a story to um, give you an example of, of how, of, of our identity in God, that we are a child of God. So let's imagine there was a young boy who grew up an orphan, he didn't know who he was. He just was, he, he was born and then um, he grew up as an orphan in an orphanage in a pretty rough place and he ended up as a pretty rough young guy. But actually, the plot twist is that his dad is the king. And because he was lost, he didn't know that his dad was a king. And one day, some people came and told him, did you know? Like, they, they found him, and they said, ah, there he is, Here, there's the prince. And then they said, did you know that you are the prince? And he said, well, how could this be? How could I be a prince? Look at me, I'm just an orphan. You know, like, do you not know the things that I do? Do you, like, do you not know the things that I've done? But they would say to him, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you do. Nothing can change the fact that your dad is the king. That's, that's who you are. And so if we're going through this life right now, <laughs> and if, if we're going through and we're expecting God's power to flow through us to see signs and miracles and wonders or whatever we're believing for, for Ash Burden, and we're constantly thinking, I am a sinner, I'm broken. That is who we once were. <laughs> are you more, do you identify, are you more aware of the sin in your life or the son of God in your life? You know, like it, he comes to live through us and so we really need to change our identity and, and, and the devil comes all the time and he just bombards us all the time. Look at you. Look what you did. Look what you said. Look what you thought. Everything like that. How can you call yourself Christian? How can you call yourself the son of God? But it's like the other way around. We say, I'm the son of God through faith and through like the work of, the, of Jesus Christ on the cross. That means that now I am righteous and I have Jesus Christ living his, his self through me. And it's not because of what 
I'm doing, but because of what he did. That, that type of thing. So what I'm saying here is the, the power of God wants to come, but if we're just constantly thinking in our head, condemnation and guilt, man, if you're not renewing our mind with it, it's easy to happen. But I'm saying that this is a wineskin. Once we have that wineskin, then God can pour that new wine into our identity. This is the second um, wineskin, and it's a biggie. This is like the central part of, of this whole message. And it's humility. I really believe that Holy Spirit's really like highlighting this. He's like, this here, this is, this is the greatest of all time. This is like what we need right now. I really believe that like he wants to move, but he really, really, really needs humility. He needs us to move like out the way, <laughs> in a way. He needs us to be dependent on him. He needs us to yield to him. He needs us to submit to him. Because what he wants to do, what he wants to, how he wants to pour himself out is going to be bigger than what we can think. It's going to be mightier than what we can do. It's, it's going to be so much more un, unfathomable and so for him to really move like we want him to move, we somehow have to be able to let go let, and let God, like we have to release control from him and say, I can do nothing of myself except for you. And that, that's probably quite a big statement, but it's, it's, it's interesting. Do you know that Jesus had a theme when he was on earth of being lowly and meek? He had a theme of saying also, even Jesus Christ himself said he humbled himself, didn't he? And it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up. So that I believe for our church, for us, that there will be a time of being lifted up, right? But we have to have this humility so that God can move. So in, in John, in John 5, John 6, John 7, John 8, these are just some of the examples that Jesus said himself. He said, the son can do nothing of himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. So that's Jesus saying, I can't do anything of myself because I've humbled myself that much. I can only do what I see my father doing. That's why he would go spend time with God. He would obviously see this is what God the father wants to happen on the earth. And then he would go and do it because he was that humble. He said, I can of my own self do nothing because I don't seek my own will, but of the one who sent me. He said, I don't receive glory from, from men. So while he's on earth, he's just so humble. I don't want any glory. I don't want to do anything of myself. I'm totally sold out in becoming humble and nothing so that the will of the Father can happen. He said again in John 6, I have not come to do my own will. The teaching is not mine. I have not come in my own authority. See, he was just completely like, mate, like he did. He said, I could bring down a million angels or however many angels and smite the whole earth or whatever. I have all this power, but I'm choosing to humble myself. I'm choosing to humble myself onto the cross of Jesus Christ, uh, like on, on the cross as well. And he said, I don't seek my own glory. And I truly believe in this next, like, season that we're walking to on the face of the earth, it's not going to be the ones that are the hardest working, 
but it's the ones who receive the favor from the Lord from being humble. It says, humble yourself and, and you'll receive the favor of the Lord. So humility. And this is the wineskin that God can pour into. And I tell you, pride is the opposite of, of humility. And I tell you, if there's one thing that God really struggles with, and you see it right from the beginning with, with Satan, that there was pride and that's why he got kicked out of heaven. You know, God's gracious with like a lot, <clears throat> so many things, he's so gracious. One thing he really seems to struggle with <laughs> is our own pride, like pride, which is, I'm doing my own thing, like I'm in control, I'm independent. Um, he's not created us to be like that. Other wineskin, the third of four wineskins is um, faith. I just, yeah, believe that as, as God moves amongst us, that, that if we have doubt, in, in our heart um, of not, not knowing who he is or what he wants to do, it's going to be hard for him to, to pour in that atmosphere of, of doubt, isn't it? And sometimes uh, we need to talk to God and say, look, I'm, I'm finding it really hard to have, have faith right now. Um, circumstances and everything have become a little bit big and that's all I can see. I can't see how you're going to do it. I can't see how I'm going to do it. I can't see what's happening here. And Holy Spirit, so gracious, he, he, he will pour out his, he will help us to have faith. You know, it's, it says in the Bible, there's a story, and they said, this, this man, it's like a, a famous um, part of the Bible where he said, help my unbelief, you know, help my unbelief. But I really believe that um, if we allow ourselves to, to forget who God is and um, to get into those places of doubt. It's going to be very hard if, if we're praying for people and we're thinking, is God really going to do this? You know, that's, that's going to be really, really hard for something's going to burst there, isn't it? <laughs> something's not going to work. We're going to find ourselves disjointed from the things of God. And the, and the other thing, the, the fourth point I found the Holy Spirit um, said was the truth. God just has to pour himself into truth. And in a way, I see that lies from the enemy end up being like um, leak, like little holes that leak. When we've got lies in our life and we're believing wrong things about ourselves and wrong things about God, he pours himself in and then it just slowly leaks out through those like the deceptions that the enemy constantly brings, it's, and that is in the world all the time. And then lastly, our third section is prophetic perspective. So I think I've already touched on it this morning, uh, is that I believe, I'm sensing, is like a prophetic perspective that... God wants to pour himself out on this earth and it's, it's, it's going to happen in ways that we haven't, haven't seen. You know, a lot of people talk about like a great awakening or everything. I think um, there's going to be even precursors to that of, of movement. And if you're not aware, there's um, amazing movements across the world right now of spontaneous 
revivals of just of of people just flocking to worship God and and to really uh, go into His presence. So there's there's no uh, almost like rhyme and reason to it. It's just like a, a sovereign move of God, and I believe that 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 will just it is it is going to happen. It says in in. Acts 2, verses 17, it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I believe this is like the new wine. You know, God's going to do a new thing. But I think prophetically, like even for us as a church and for a people, um, we, we can't take the garment that once was or the old skin that once was, how we used to do things. You know, like once upon a time, people had massive cathedrals and the massive uh, glass-stained windows, and, and God has done a new thing. And now we're like, in, in this church, uh, there's so many different new things that God has done through, through the times. And I really do believe that, I mean, I don't know what it means yet, but I, I truly do believe that the, the new wine, the new things that God wants to do in 2023, in like 2020s, Going onwards, the, the old wineskin of like church is not going to be able to hold the new wine that's coming from heaven, if that makes sense. And so we always have to keep in step, we always have to keep up with the Holy Spirit. And so as a bit of a, like a prophetic example, I believe that that. There's like an illustration that um, I believe that, that shows the old and also shows the new. And so here is the new wine. <laughs> Just a minute, this is Jesus' wine, isn't it? <laughs> um, and this is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And this is um, you know, God's spirit, God's goodness. And this is, I believe, what's kind of happened in the past is that we have these things in our life, in our church, in our community that, that we don't want. This is like the dirt and the issues and issues and, and problems. And what we've done in the past, I think, naturally, is we've kind of focused on these problems and we think, oh, I'll just try and get these out. Oh, see if I can get one out. Oh, not really. We'll try and focus on these problems. Oh, there we go. Got some more problems. But you see, I haven't really made a difference. And it's also emptying our glasses, right? This is what I believe that God wants to do in this time. So here are all the issues and problems in our society. This is how he wants to get rid of his problems. So here he is. This is his spirit. This is life and light of heaven. He wants to pour himself out so completely... that this is the result. Yep. So in, in one circumstance, we didn't have an overflow and we were focused on the problems, but in the other, there's such a pouring out that it purifies. It, it just is like a flooding of, of his, his goodness. So if we can pray into and think 
maybe even change our prayer life from, from thinking about all the issues that are happening in the world today and in my life, to change our prayer life to a hunger and a thirst for, we need this pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And finally, as a prophetic perspective, and thinking of these new wineskins and humility, in Joshua, Joshua said to the people, well, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. Um, can I get the band up now? So I'm just gonna, f- I'm gonna finish on this here. Consecrate means to set apart, to, to set apart as something special. Um, and I, I believe that this is like a kind of like a prophetic word, as, as in it says, consecrate yourselves to set yourselves apart for God, not like just the normal status quo, set yourselves apart for God. For tomorrow, and I believe that tomorrow is like not just Monday, but for tomorrow, like in the days coming, in the years coming, in this season, we're coming, the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. So I'm really sensing this morning that God is looking for those who will set themselves apart for Him. Set themselves apart in humility for tomorrow in the time coming for what God wants to do, He will do amazing things. Could you all stand with me, please? Lord, we thank you for your love. And we thank you for your plans and purposes for us individually and us corporately as a group of people, for our community, our nation. And I thank you that you do want to pour yourself out. You do want to pour out your new wine. You do want to pour out a new flow of the Holy Spirit over us. And Lord, we pray this morning that we would be able to submit and yield to you, Holy Spirit. Submit to your will, God, and ask that you would change us. And I pray that you would take away the old wineskins. Take away our old identity and that we would learn to be new.